Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good Tuesday. Is it Tuesday or Monday? My day's all messed up. I think it's Tuesday. Yesterday, having a holiday on a Monday makes me feel like today should be Monday, but happy Tuesday. Good evening, everybody. This is LHG. That stands for LaTanya Harris Gooden. Good evening to you. And tonight is supposed to be Girl Chat Weekly at eight o'clock, but I want to come on because I'm going to give myself the gift of rest just after this. Um... And I really, I didn't want to call this girl chat because this is going to be a chat that's probably going to be um, involving more than just women. But whoever comes in, of course, they are welcome here. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your engagement in advance. Thank you to all the critical conversations and Girl Chat Weekly and Trailblazers Radio supporters. Um, We're coming to the end of a wonderful year. Uh, this was my year one, a complete year of being an official podcaster on this platform. And for that, I am grateful. Thank you, CEO Fred Beatty. Thank you, COO Coco Fenton for taking a chance on me, for um, pushing me, for supporting me to the entire Trailblazers radio family. I love you guys. Dearly, you are family to me. Oh, this year has been amazing in that respect. A lot has gone on in my life, but when it comes to my joy and my strength, it has come from my family and has come from talking to you. It has come from having conversations that really should have probably happened decades ago, but now realizing that now that we're here, now that we're free to speak, we can make it through this and process what has happened. And today in my therapy session, I took some notes and some things really stuck with me. And I just wanted to kind of walk through. You might have saw my post earlier today about different generations and how they were taught to be quiet, how they were told not to talk about some really horrific things that might have happened to them. And you might ask me, is that all that you talk about? You know what? No, it's not. But I deal with the stuff that people don't want to deal with. I deal with the stuff that can come with a feeling of shame. And that word came up today, the feeling of shame. Because sometimes when you do give a voice to your pain and you give a voice to what has happened to you, it comes with this certain stigma. Like, is anybody going to look at me the same now that they know I've been through X, Y, Z? Some people have a testimony about being former, you know, prostitutes and drug addicts and alcohol, substance abusers and things like that. Why should a person feel ashamed about their testimony and where, where they've been? And a lot of times we get that that side eye or that funny look from our church people. The place where you would think everybody would be accepted. People look at you like you were what? used to do what or you were what so i couldn't call this girl chat because it's just chat because i'm tired of people being made to feel less than because of what has happened in their lifetime and today as i was talking to my therapist and she's asked me and she was new she's a new therapist so she was kind of doing some intake questions and she asked me about some situations that happened in my life And I said the phrase that I had been, how did I put it? That someone had been sexually inappropriate to me. She said, don't you ever say that again. Say what it is. You were sexually abused. I avoid the word abuse because it sounds like somebody beat me over the head. But abuse is a violation. It's an unwanted attack. So I've been worrying about how to present and how to package this. When she was like, call this thing what it is, you were sexually abused. You were verbally abused. There was things that happened in my life um, that were said to me that should never be said to a child. And let me just give you my disclaimer. I'm not here to embarrass or expose anyone. I'm here to talk about freedom and healing. And in order to do that, you have to be all right with telling your story, no matter who it upsets or offends. Um, So she said to me, there is a generation of people out here that were taught to not talk, not think, and not feel. What in the world? 
can you imagine? And I can feel some of that because I, I felt I felt that as well. Don't talk, don't think, and don't feel. Just be a kid. Allow people to do whatever they want to you. Say whatever they want to you and don't make a sound. Don't make a peep. Don't you ever repeat it or I'll kill your family or I'll do this or I'll do that. Wow. And a person is, a child is supposed to to just roll over and allow people to just do whatever they want to them, exploit their body and rob them of their innocence. What are we doing out here? Wow. Don't talk. Don't think and don't feel. You're asking me not to be a human. The entire human experience is based on thinking, feeling, and communicating. So you're asking me to not do the three things that the human experience includes because you want me to keep silent so that you're not embarrassed. Also that, oh, you don't want to bring um, a negative attention to the family or the church, or you don't want to talk about that. You don't want to go there. Stop it. This new season of our lives, sisters and brothers, if something has been, has been ailing you on the inside, whether it's a physical ailment, a mental ailment, we need to address it. I said earlier, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And a lot of our sickness and our fatigue is coming from mental turmoil. We are living with thoughts and memories and experiences in our brains that are running around that need to be expressed, processed the right way so we can move beyond it. I did not say get over it. That's Please know, I don't use that phrase. We want to process it work through it and move beyond it. Our older generations, I am 48. Uh, our, my parents are in close to their 70s. One is in their 70s. That generation, that baby boomer generation that was born in the 50s, they were taught to be quiet. Don't say nothing. Don't talk. Don't think. Don't feel. And the problem is, it didn't just affect them. It affects that generation's children. That's me. I think I'm Gen X or Y. I can't think of it right now. But even though they were taught that way, it trickles down in your parenting because that's the way you were raised. Don't go out here telling our business. Don't tell anybody that he sexually abused you. You're lying. You fast. You nasty. You a whore. And all of these things, and you expect people to hold that in their mind and not have a physical or a mental response? What in the world? So now I'm a parent, okay? So now I try to to create an environment where my daughter feels comfortable telling me anything. I did not feel comfortable telling my mother anything for one her response would have been where's the belt what have you done and it would have been an all-out war okay because some of these generations were taught just shut up don't say nothing so what that person hurt you so what they smacked you around so what they touched you in the wrong places just shut up it's over and i heard someone say someone i really love and respect say She needs to get over that. It is not that easy. It is not that easy. But what the therapist said is the majority of the people who say that or the people who don't pay attention to what we're dealing with or hide stuff, they have been through some stuff themselves. This story is becoming a reoccurring theme where young women and young boys have been sexually abused by cousins, parents, uncles, aunts, and nobody talked about it. We have even on this platform had an incest show and talked about a situation where a family had a father who kept impregnating his daughters. This sexual perversion that goes on in our community down through our lineage has tainted us and it has us 
going through so much inner turmoil, just a total disrespect for children as if they were sex toys. We got to deal with some of this stuff. Some of us have families who have multiple people who unlife themselves, multiple people, and you don't even want to talk about it. We need to address it. Psychologically, something was going wrong in the minds of those family members, or there was some fear or some shame or something that drove them to that point. We get um, embarrassed. I don't want anyone to know that anybody in our family unlife themselves. Why? Why? Don't you want to know where that came from? And now we want to pray and and make sure that you or anybody in your immediate family doesn't succumb to that. We don't want to talk about nothing. That's the problem. We're giving a voice to the wrong stuff and the stuff that needs to be addressed, needs to be talked about in these families. Ain't nobody willing to tell the truth. We're coming together. We're having all this good food. We're coming together for birthdays and holidays and graduations and funerals and all of this stuff. But nobody wants to talk about what has gone on in the family, the good, the bad, and the ugly. What has been passed down through the bloodline, whether it was diseases, physical, mental, sometimes financial illiteracy gets passed down. A poverty spirit gets passed down through a family. And needs to be addressed and cursed at the root. But if you don't call that thing out and acknowledge it, how can you say we want to fix it? So when you all are together at your family gatherings, is there anybody that's left in your family that knows your family history? That can tell you, well, your uncle so-and-so had a business with your great-granddaddy you know, have this or unfortunately, you know, our great, great grandfather, he, you know, unlifed himself and so did his son. And I mean, there's some stuff that we got to talk about and pray about and deal with so that it's not continuously passed down and not processed properly to future generations. The therapist said that our parents, the, the generation that came in in the 50s was taught not to talk, think or feel. Don't talk, don't think, don't feel. That's merely an existence. And I got some of that trickling over into my childhood. You couldn't walk up to your parent and say, you know, mom or dad, I've been feeling like this. I've been feeling like that. You couldn't do that. Hi, Elder Ross. Elder says it is so important to have mature family members who are not judging, condemning, to be able to talk regarding secrets and or benefits. And so many families, there's some good stuff in our families that we don't even talk about. It's not all bad, but I feel like as a family that is growing as generations are born, I just think it's our job as, you know, the more seasoned family members to be that solid village to be that connector that gives information, that gives guidance, that breaks chains in terms of these secrets. Some things may have happened in our lineage that are (sighs) devastating. I'll use that as the word, devastating. But your family can make it through if you start the dialogue. And if those people are alive that need help, maybe you have someone in your family who needs mental help. Don't be embarrassed to say, okay, I believe, you know, uncle so-and-so or auntie so-and-so or cousin so-and-so needs mental help. Stop putting stigma on mental health. I mean, I don't know about you, but after COVID, everybody had a therapist. Life changed so swiftly and so dramatically. We all was out here swinging from trees. So I want our families to grow together and to learn together. And whatever it is that happened in our past, even the darkest things, put it on the table. Put it on the table. Let's talk about it process through it. Let's get all the therapy we need either as a collective or individually or both. 
Some of us wondering why marriages haven't worked in our families. What examples have these people seen? What, what examples of strong, unwavering, unconditional love have people seen? A lot of families, I'm, I'm going to say this and please don't be offended. Some families have just been shacking and people don't get married. I've met people like that. Then ain't nobody married in that family. Well, our mama didn't get married. Our so-and-so didn't get married. So we, they were just having children. Caught on each other, husbands and wives, but they weren't married. That's something that can get passed down too. People don't believe in, in marriage. They just want to live together and procreate and have kid after kid after kid. That goes on in families. Some people get into relationships and you got to have a kid with every different relationship. If you break up with time on, on Wednesday and get with Bobby on Thursday, then Bobby, you're going to have to give me a child. So now you got a child by every boyfriend you ever had. That goes, that gets passed down. And the children are watching and the children are absorbing and the children are paying attention to the family pattern. These are patterns. And and I thought about that because my my therapist got she got down into the nitty and the gritty. She gave me a book that she wants me to get. Healing the shame that binds you. Let me let me look it up online because she she sensed that I carried a lot of shame and I do because when you are brought up in church, you're brought up to feel a certain way and if things don't go right according to the plan. And you stray away and do something you weren't supposed to do. You kind of get, you know, looked at like, oh, hey, Simone. So I do carry shame. And when she was telling me to stop saying that I was sexually touched inappropriately, she says, why do you have to make things sound, sound politically correct? Use the word abuse, Latanya. I started shaking because that word gives me the chills. Elder says, spiritually mature family is needed before the talk. So let me put that out there, Elder. How does a family become spiritually mature? How do we start that spiritual maturity process? Are you all going to church together, worshiping together, having Bible study or Bible discussion together? It took, takes me back to my aunt's home back in the 80s where on Friday night, before we were able to do anything as far as going out, playing or whatever we were doing, we all had to come to the living room, get on our knees at the couch or whatever, and recite Psalms 91. My auntie always wanted to make sure we had scripture down in us. And we would have discussion. And we did that for many years. Many. As a family. Our families doing that anymore. We don't even have a dining room table no more. We don't even have a kitchen table no more. So where are we even having these talks at? On Zoom? Are we even getting together to have these talks? But I do believe that spiritual maturity is definitely important. But what about for those family members who are not spiritually mature? Those cousins and, and uncles and whatever who may not even know Christ at all. Hmm. So the book is called Healing the Shame That Binds You by John Bradshaw. My homework from my therapist was to get this book. Simone says families are not having these conversations anymore. And that's probably why many of us are struggling in our minds, Simone. I wish that my family, my immediate family, my mom, uh, my second stepdad, I wish we had these kinds of conversations. First of all, you have to have it and not jump into a defensive mode. Many of us aren't ready because we got to jump off spirit. We don't want to be addressed or approached by, by people who are saying we may have done something wrong. That was the issue in my house because I, as a child, if you walk up to your parent and say, mama, you hurt my feelings to them, depending on what generation they came here in, child, to them, you're saying you're a bad parent. To them, you're saying you're parenting me wrong. No, no. I am saying that what you said to me, mother, what you said to me, father, what you said to me, anybody hurt me. 
And I would like you to acknowledge that I have feelings. Don't smack me. You talking back. You being sassy. My generation, I hate it. Y'all remember that our parents thought everything was a sassy comment. You being sassy and smart, alecky, smack. Talk about abuse. I mean, I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to be funny. But when I look back on some of the ways some of us were brought up, baby, that was borderline child abuse. I'm just gonna put it out there. Smacking kids all up against the wall. I heard stories about parents getting bats and stuff on their kids. Man, that our generation, and I was born in 75, our generation of parents, you could not walk up to them and 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 start a conversation about emotions. You ain't got no emotions. Sit down and shut up. Sit down somewhere. I'm going to give you something to cry about. Man, that was a whole. But let me say this. People do the best they can in the mindset they're in, in the area that that they're born in. If you're conditioned to that yourself, that's what you're going to give. So when I had a daughter. And the first time my daughter said, mommy, you don't acknowledge my feelings. My first thing that I said, and I had to ask her and God to forgive me. I said, what feelings? What are you talking about? You got it perfect. You a kid. You ain't got no bills. You a kid. No responsibility. That doesn't mean a child doesn't have emotions just because she don't have a job or she works now. But at that point, she didn't have any bills. Why do we equate? The only thing that we think is, is is of any value to say we grown is having bills or to say that we are worthy of something. Children have their own, yes, hey, Erica, trauma. Keyword, trauma. I'm just looking back on how, and I love my parents. Please know there are no perfect parents. And because these different generations were brought up and taught differently how to address children, and some did way more whooping and not and not enough, to, not enough talking. Simone says that was the phrase of the century. I'm gonna give you something to cry about. Yes, Simone. We did way, they did way more beating, way more whooping. Way more just, and I'm not saying you shouldn't spank your child, spare the rods, boil the child, but it was too much riding going on. These rods got out of control. There is a, a delicate balance between sparing the rod and trying to kill them. Okay. So I think in some instances, parents would just, I, let me put this out here. Y'all can tell me how y'all feel about it. If you are a parent who is stressed, and you come home, too many rods, not enough language, capital, bold, underline, italicized, Erica Jackson. Do y'all see that? We had too many rods. You can't do all rods and no talking. Where is the thought process in that? Where is the learning opportunity? Where is the teachable moment in that? At least tell me, well, the reason why I'm about to whoop you because come on, give me some kind of precursor or something. Simone, did she not just lay that thing out? It, and I'm it's the truth. You're doing more riding than you probably should. But my question is, what if that was how they were raised? There was this thing when you go back into the 50s, 40s, 30s, and I can't say it was in all communities, but I feel like there was this thing about. Just kids, just shut up. Don't be don't be seen or heard. Just get on, just sit down somewhere. Sit down somewhere. That's how kids were treated. Or you had to just be a worker bee. Go do this. Go do this. The kind of people that will call you from down the street just to cut their light off. Come on. You ain't got little personal servants. I, and again, forgive me if I am coming across judgmental i am not the perfect parent i'm not i wasn't when i first had my baby and i'm not right now as she approaches 21 i am still learning and those of us who have parents that are alive they should still be learning too your parenting doesn't stop when they turn 18 
Even though that child may leave your home, you're still their mom. You're still their father. You are a parent as long as you are on the earth and that child is on the earth. Come on, Erica. That's my objective. That is why I do what I do. It's not about perfection. But we have missed the mark on some healthy conversation, development, and growth. Where is the kitchen table? Down the room table. Yep, they call you just to help you find the remote control. I'm telling you, and I know. <laughs> Listen, all you had to do, mama, is reach two feet. Or, or daddy, reach three, three inches and grab the remote. I guess I want to see us cherish and nurture and cultivate children way more than we have in the past. I'm glad you joined too, Erica, because I'm, I'm uh, this whole dynamic about treating kids as property or as luggage or as whatever, this stuff travels with them as they grow. I did some mentoring at a local school in Detroit, got a chance to spend some time with some beautiful little babies. But in talking to them, I can tell that their home life was turbulent. Okay. The one young, young boy, my daddy got 21 kids and he was not exaggerating. He thought that was the best thing in the world that his daddy had that many children. And then he went on to talk about how the mama and the daddy been going at each other. This this stuff is getting down in our kids' spirits. Yeah, it's getting it's getting down into into their the fiber of their being. Simone says, or call your name, and then when you respond back, they say, "Never mind, girl." Hey, cousin Kenyatta, it does everything that is happening to children, especially in those formative years where they are like a sponge. You're talking young adolescent, preteen. That those those formative when you just man, you just taking life in. You don't know what's good, what's bad. You just picking it all up. A sponge, a sponge, a magnet. Whatever is going on around you, you you attaching to it. Because in your house, what else do you have other than your parents? I know, sister. I know you hated it. I know, girl. When you are a child, the authority in everything. It's not God because you don't even know him yet when you're real small. It's your parents. So you're looking at them like, oh, whatever they say, whatever they do, it must be what I'm supposed to say, what I'm supposed to do. And then when they go to school with that and the teachers um, see some habits that are concerning or see some 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 turbulence or some issues with your children, you want to get mad at the teacher. Because she's spending more time with them than you are. Ooh, come on in here. The teachers are spending more time with your children, spending time getting to know them, understanding their, their strengths and areas of opportunity, what makes them laugh, what makes them cry. You can't leave child rearing to these teachers. God bless you, educators. You got a lot and you get the low end of the totem pole with, with the money. Erica says, nope, they get mad at the teachers because they called them to the carpet. That's the thing. When these teachers are calling you parents, first of all, you ain't coming to no parent-teacher conferences. You're not coming to none of their, their recitals or to see their artwork on the wall. Man, you missing the mark in, in supporting that baby. That baby needs to know that his or her parents are their biggest cheerleaders. Every time I can't say I went to every parent teacher conference, but when I had an opportunity to meet Gabrielle's teachers and see her work and get to see her environment, her educational environment, and see what was going on, I was there. And if it wasn't me, it was my parents. Somebody was there to to make sure, you know, they knew. Gabrielle has a support system. But one of the teachers told me most parents don't care. They don't want to know what's going on. So you leaving these children to raise themselves? Is that what you're saying? Why? 
That's not right. Simone says, you chilling comfortably in your room watching your favorite show. <laughs> Simone, I see this is that. I just struck a nerve with that. They call your name and re you respond because if you don't, they get upset. <laughs> Simone, girl, you can't let that one go. <laughs> Post Simone. Because y'all pray for Simone because that thing, you must be going through that or have gone through that. I'm so sorry, Simone. But we know some parents, they do use children as miniature, miniature maids and butlers. Look, Benson and Florence. Cousin Kenyatta says, some. <laughs> Kenyatta, we yeah, she 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 talking from some experience, cousin Kenyatta. We went all the time, tired, not feeling well, no matter what. When you are a parent and you are truly invested in the in the education and the life and the nurture and the cultivation and the growth and the development of your children, you don't let no rain, no headache. You put your $2.85 in that gas tank and you trickle on up there to that good school. I know, Simone, you can't let it go, child. Much prayer. We're going to put you on the, on the stick and shut in list. <laughs> Simone, how, how are you procreating, popping out these babies, but you have no interest in them? No interest. Let me, let me talk about Erica Jackson. Erica is my baby sister. And I have watched her. She is such the caring mom. She is no nonsense. She is 200% invested in their schooling. She, she is invested in their giftings and callings. She, her and her family go out. And she's giving her children opportunity to grow socially. I love her for that. Children need that. They need their parents to be invested heavily. If you're not invested in your children, how can you expect anybody else to be? Come on. Erica says, no matter what it costs. I see that, Erica. I am so proud of you. So proud of you. Simone says, not on a sick <laughs> Yes, girl. I see that thing told you right on up. You may have to stay home for a couple of days. We'll bring you some chicken noodle soup. <laughs> but we got to change the dynamic when it comes to children. I mean, everything I said, Erica, I mean that. You set the standard, girl. I love it. These babies... Don't ask to come here. God gives them to us as gifts to make sure that they know from the moment that they are birthed out of their mother's womb that they are loved. Think about how you have baby dedications at the church. One of the things that they do is they have the family come to the church or even on the stage to gather around that child. And to make some declarations that they will be a part of that child's village for their entire life. That's in our culture to do that, that we will have a village concept. There's godparents. We give our children godparents in case something happens to us or to be an extra assistance with us if we need help with our babies. But if the godparents are doing more than the parents, that's upside down. These children are going to school. Many of them are not even getting adequate meals. Many of them are coming to school dirty. And I understand that some families just don't have a lot. But in many cases, it's not about what they don't have. They don't take the time. The children aren't getting baths or aren't being supervised to get baths. Their clothing isn't being washed. Even if you don't have a washer and dryer, Parents, you're not even going to the laundromat. Come on. Don't you know that kids bully kids with dirty clothes? I've seen it. We have to do our best. If you need help, if you don't have washing facilities and somebody in your family does, can you ask them? Can you ask them to come over? And can I wash my clothes at your home, auntie? Because I want to send my baby to school with clean clothes. So why can't we have this community effort 
these children are coming from homes with a lot of arguing, violence. Some of these boyfriends of ours, sisters, are being abusive to our kids when we're not around. We're leaving our kids with people who we can't even trust. Erica says, let me get this on the screen. Tanya, love starts inside the womb. Yes, thank you for correcting me. It does. If you distance yourself from the baby because you're not ready and do not want the baby, the baby carries that and turns the genes on epigenetic, epigenetically and carries those insecurities their whole lifespan. Ooh so while we are carrying our children, I talked to Gabby every morning when she was in my stomach. We woke up with the same worship song. I sung a lot of Fred Hammond and I rubbed my belly and I read to her and I we had this bond. And thank you for bringing that out, Erica, even before she got here. I love that little girl. Cousin Kenyatta says, people are so busy ridiculing each other. Ah, Cousin Kenyatta, you said something now. Some are probably in, that's that shame factor again. That's that shame factor, cuz. Yes, Kenyatta, Erica is on point. So that means we're going to have to create an environment, people, where people don't feel ashamed, whether it's at church. Maybe if you have an organization where it's like, okay, single moms, single dads, whoever, you could even be married. If you need help with making sure your kids, you and your children have clean clothes, we have a washer and dryer in our church and we're going to make an appointment for you to come and clean your clothes. If you need um, assistance in making sure you have food, because some people may not qualify for a bridge card, but their check just ran low that particular week. So come on over to the church and get some food in the food pantry. Erica says, my God, Lord, help us to understand that we need each other. That's what I'm saying. We walking around here like we got it all together. And we want to appear like we have it all together. But many of us are falling apart. Let me go back. Many of us don't even know when we go to church, some of the sisters or brothers are going home on a bus catching two and three buses to get to church, rain, sleet, uh, snow, or whatever. Back in my day, back in my day, we used to pay attention and we knew who didn't have a car. So somebody was going to take these people home. You weren't going to be out here in the cold in extreme heat trying to get to and from school, I mean, from church. We didn't do that. But now we leave so fast, we jump in our cars so fast, and we don't even know who needs a ride cousin kiata says it seems to me that people are so busy trying to one up the next person there is such competition in our community cousin kiata it makes me sick i love to see people people succeed in anything that they're doing i am the the grand cheerleader of all but there's some people who are pretending and maybe that's where the Holy Spirit has to give us the discernment. When people say everything is okay, you pull them to the side and say, I hear your mouth saying the words, but I'm not sure if that's really true. What, what do you need? What do you need? Erica says, my God. Because the saints don't want to break their Sunday routine. Baby, let me talk about Sunday back when I was growing up. My mother was the church secretary, the choir director, the administrator. So sometimes we were the first one there and the last one to leave. If somebody was there and didn't have a ride, we, we figured it out. If somebody was there and didn't have a place to go eat or a home-cooked meal, we figured it out. We're going over to this person's house. Come on, we'll take you home later. We were a family. We were a family, y'all. Isn't that what church should be? It's a community. Why should we not have a, a family dynamic to where 
We are in tune to each other. And I'm not saying you got to sit here and go down the plethora of problems that you may be experiencing and just down to account numbers and, 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 and pass through balances. But I'm saying if a person doesn't have food for their family, why can't they say to the church or to someone, I'm so sorry, not I'm sorry, but can I talk to you? Um, I know it's Sunday, but I just need to say I have a need. I have a need. I have a need. Hi, Elder Carla. There's a saying. There's the saying of you want to make God laugh. Tell him your plans. <laughs> That's good. So it's like I want us to start getting in tune to each other in our church experiences. And you should be able to keep up with each other outside of the church walls. We're not doing follow-up no more. When people come down and give their lives to the Lord, back in my day, you used to get their names, phone numbers. Um, well, I'll see you next Sunday. And if they weren't there next Sunday, we was calling them. Do you need a ride? How are you doing since you first accepted Christ? We are here to, to help you on your journey. We're so happy for you uh, for accepting Jesus as your Savior. Now, we're here to help you move forward in your walk with the Lord. Come on. Thank you, Erica. This wasn't my, my topic at first, girl, but it just kind of went there. And even when somebody joined a church, we get their name, their address, phone number. My mother did all this, take an actual picture before we had internet. She had a whole file of everybody's names and information. And if you were not there for a Sunday or two, somebody was calling. And if we ain't seen you in a Sunday or three or four, somebody was going to roll up and do a wellness check drive by and make sure you were okay. That's what we used to do back in the day. Okay. We have kind of gotten so siloed when it comes to that. I'm here to get what I need. It's about me, me, me. I want to look sharp, look perfect, so everybody can think that I'm straight. People are out here perpetrating, going through some real stuff. Elder Carla says, people have been shamed for having needs. Yes, but it's our responsibility as God's children. Come on now to see about our brothers and our sisters. I agree. Simone says, Erica, this is critical conversations. Yes, it is. We we, we go there. We go there. I, I want us to change our thought life as it pertains to how we see each other. Erica this year um, started along with her church family, a dynamic book club with her church. I wasn't able to go because I, I work with Dana on Thursday nights and I wasn't able to break away. But that's a way to connect with your church. It was amazing. She even did a panel discussion. Erica says people don't fake depression, but they do fake being okay. Yes, I totally agree. And Kenyatta says that's very true. We fake being okay, we think that the makeup and the clothes, the nice car, and all of that is going to cover up what's really happening in our broken spirits. In our broken spirits, man, have you ever hugged someone and and just felt like, is that what you're carrying? I, I, that happens to me all the time when I go to hug people, and I feel for those few moments so much pain, and they hold on to me. Like, Sister Tanya, you just don't know what I'm going through. That's praying time. That's praying time. That's the time when you say, okay, can I get your number? Or let me give you mine. Because uh, I want to connect with you. All oh, connection is necessary. We've already lost too many people because of lack of connection and because they have been living and ruminating in the shame. We are going to break that spirit. God is powerful enough to break that at the root. I'm tired of us having to feel shamed when we have needs. The church should be ready to help with some of those needs. That's one of the reasons why you take tithes and offerings. You ought to be able to help somebody with some of these needs. Now I'm saying, I'm not saying that you can't, that you can help everybody every month. But there should be some process where you can give resources, 
their information about food pantries, give them information about the local Salvation Army, Wayne Metro, or whatever local organizations. When you get the call from people who need stuff, give them information. If you can't supply the need, at least send them somewhere that they can get help. Elder Carla says, I often check in on the ones I say that I love. I call, I text, I write down on them because I want them to get the love that I say I have. Come on. Love is in love until you give it away. One of my favorite songs by Commission, love is in love until you give it away. Simone says she's tired of it. Elder says, amen. I want us to do better. And even in our communities, our church, I want us to pay attention to people. Don't be so quick and and start gossiping and saying little stuff. If you sense that something is off, take them to the side. If you sense something is just not right, pull them to the side, have a one-on-one. This whole public humiliation demon I call that thing out right now. I call it out. I do not subscribe to public humiliation. I do not subscribe to a leader getting behind the pulpit or behind whatever and call himself giving subliminal messages to his members or her members. That's a demonic spirit. And I call it out right now. If you want to do a general message, that everybody can can count on and listen to and dissect, that's something else. But some of these leaders are getting behind the pulpit with a jump-off spirit, and that is not of God. It's not. And you are the reason why folks leave the church. Houston, we didn't found the problem. If you got a problem with me, let's have some one-on-one. If you see some things that I'm doing as a member of your church that is not on point with God, As my leader, come and talk to me one-on-one. But getting behind a pulpit and abusing your power, you will pay. You will pay. That's not why God called you. That's not why God called you. And I mean that. You are the reason why people are walking away in droves from the church. Erica says, they ain't prepared no message. <laughs> Look, ain't got no Holy Spirit. So they come up there with these, with these phony sermons about people and not about what the Lord is saying. Shame on you. You are fake and you are phony. We ought to be hearing from God when we get before the people. And I trust that God will do the convicting. That's the difference. He ain't tell you to get up and humiliate nobody. Trust God to convict that person's heart. Don't you trust when the word goes forth? If it truly came from God, that God will prick that person's mind and heart and give them what they need through the word. He don't need you getting up before people trying to call folk out and embarrass them. No, you will be embarrassed. Keep it up. Keep abusing your power and see what God does. And you want to know why you can't grow. Stop it. You ain't squeaky clean either. Come on. And for some of y'all, if anybody exposed you and your indiscretions, you wouldn't have no church. Ooh, baby, let me drink a little something right there. Let me get a little water. Y'all watch people who always get behind the pulpit talking about other people. Like they ain't got no skeletons. Watch, watch those people, huh? Watch them. Watch them. Because they got some stuff they don't want nobody to see. It's called deflection. We are going to turn the church back into the place of love. Now, once you get people in, you can help correct some things. But it's the love that's going to draw them. Erica says, don't be your beloved TDJ. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just saying, people have gotten to a point in church where they use their position as a weapon. And I just believe that that's not the intent. 
of any of the fivefold ministry. I want us to be able to go back to where we are being taught the word and we are rightly dividing it on our own. That we are serving God and not worshiping man. I'm going to say it again. I want us to serve God and not worship man. We didn't get to the point where we are idolizing, idolizing some of these preachers. Yes, love covers a multitude of sin. It is sad, Simone. And sometimes when you when you worship people and they get the big head and they get all puffed up, like, what are we doing here? This some kind of circus, this some kind of Cirque du Soleil. We got to go back to the original way that God intended this thing to be. Erica, we ought to be able to sit down at the table, not just for Sunday service or just having a Bible study conversation, just reading the word together, just enjoying each other, just talking and breaking bread together and getting to know each other. I don't like when stuff gets messy in church. I don't. Because how are we going to witness to people and show that there's love in there and we can't even stand each other? We so fake sometimes. We so fake. Erica says, when you worship people and their humanity get to, to showing now, now you mad. Because they people. They are people. They make mistakes. They sin. They fall. They do things in the dark. Those people are not the Christ. He can, God can use who he won't. We get to worshiping these people. Come on. And one bad move and we didn't totally cancel them out. I can't believe that. Kenyatta says people also think that the leaders are supposed to be perfect. Nobody is perfect. One misstep and they are canceled. We hold them to a certain standard. Yes. But are they perfect? No. They're not. They are not. Simone spoke at her church last Sunday, y'all. I put it on my page. Y'all go ahead and, and support her and watch it and, and comment. I want us to get back to loving each other, Erica. I want us to get back to doing church the right way. Yes, Elder, God is a jealous God and there will be no God before him. So if we are putting our leaders on pedestals and idolizing them, that is a sin. I die tree. Come on. I love your pastor, Erica. He said, hold me to the standard you hold yourself to. Come on here. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yes, I put it on the uh, sister page too, cousin, so we can go, go um, support Simone. Ain't that good, Simone? But it starts with us. And that's why I brought up Erica, because she is very transparent about her testimony. And she'll tell you she's not one of the people that's been saved 22 years. Um, but she came in hungry and she had observed some things. And she became the change she wanted to see. I appreciate her approach to wanting to learn and grow. It is so it's such a breath of fresh air. Seven years going on eight, Erica. Come on. Everybody wasn't. And let me tell you something. Just because somebody was born in, and raised in church for 50 years, don't make they truly been saved. They just been on the road on the attendance sheet. Some of them ain't big, no, got no more relationship with God. They just showing up every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Friday as tradition and pattern. That's the difference. Just showing up to say, yeah, my family been at this church since 1819, since the slavery time. I've been, I've been coming to this church since, you know, I was born and raised here. And you about to bust hell wide open with your mean tail. We got to get better. We got to do better. We got to do better. We are, we are missing opportunities to show real, genuine love. We are. Erica, that's what I say every day. Lord, comma, could you please have mercy? <laughs> we 
we're gonna get it together elder said doing what mama and daddy did yes we feel like honoring the tradition is the most important part not so much having a relationship with god for yourself beyond your grandmother beyond the grandfather beyond your parents are you connecting to god is he your personal jesus i love that song by tony personal jesus I'm not talking about just what my grandmother told me and my granddaddy. They gave us good foundations in some cases. But at this point, when are you going to accept Jesus for you and study the word of God for you? And you probably will find that some of the stuff we were taught years ago wasn't really Bible. Some stuff just got made up in the, in the kitchen. Some of our families just made up stuff in the kitchen while they was in there cleaning greens. And that's just the way that we did it. And we was taught that way and we ain't changing it. Well, honey, listen, some things need to be changed. And that might be the problem. We so stuck on, we've done it this way for seven decades. But this, this does it work today? Does it work today? Simone says they are there to be present and accounted for, but not really there. They're not really invested. They're not really interested. Elder says, at what point do you accept accountability? That's the word, accountability and responsibility. Oh, Anthony Brown has a song called Everyday Jesus. Okay, I'm going to check it out. Witchcraft and superstition. Erica, girl, we coming back with part two. We may have to dive into that because some of the stuff that we have been doing out of out of form and fashion and tradition stuff is demonic. Some of this stuff has no scriptural base. And that is why we have to study ourselves and mull over the word of God that's given to us. I love it when pastors are not so big and proud that they'll sit down with you and just talk about the word, talk about the sermon and dissect it like a, like a Holy Ghost after party. I love that because there are people like Erica that come into this walk with Christ, hungry, willing, ready for a change. The world, a lot of the world is ready for something better ready for something to look forward to, ready for something different. Kiana says that superstition still has me questioning some things. Yep. Who said don't wash your clothes on a new year? Kenyatta, who said, where did that one come from? Girl, that's a new one. Simone says, stay out of my Sunday message. <laughs> oh, my God. Elder says, if it ain't in the word, it ain't in me. All right. I ain't heard nothing about not washing on the new year, cousin Kenyatta. Woo, child. That's a new one. But I want to thank you all for joining me. I always get off topic, but it, it, this is what we do. We Critical conversations can go multiple directions. We just base it on what we got to cover that day. And today's therapy session stuck in my head because she told me, about this generation that was told to not talk, not think, and not feel. And many of us have parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts that came from that generation where, where silence was not just golden, it was demanded. So here I am in 2023, opening up a pretty much about everything with no apologies. Cousin Kenyatta says, my grandma said you will wash someone out the family. Lord, washing on New Year's Day washes somebody out the family. Ooh-wee. Erica says you all that not be making black eyed peas. <laughs> That's a tradition too for some people. Black eyed peas and collard greens on New Year's. None of that is going to bring you luck. Come on. But it will bring your health in alignment. Child, we didn't have that. Um, greens twice already but yesterday and i made some more today i love me some good old collard greens that has to be a part of our 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 new season discussion i've been talking about our health and 
when we get Erica, Erica is the one I've been telling you all about that is educated in sleep study. Um, and not just that, she is an expert in a few different things. And I can't wait to get her on hashtag critical conversations so that we can talk about um, how to make our health align better with God's plan. Because I know some of the things that we're doing to ourselves um, is not in alignment at all. Yes, I will see your post from yesterday. Kenyatta says, yes, I just started realizing it's okay for me to have real emotions. Cousin, yes. Yes, we were made to have real emotions and they need to be expressed. It doesn't mean you're weak at all. You're strong enough to know you can't hold on to that stuff too much. That's really the strength that's coming out. I need to express this. Ooh, Elder Carly says, Erica, we got to talk. Elder Carla Freeman and Erica Jackson, I want you two to connect. My God, I got to get off here. I want to thank you um, for riding with me this year. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank you all for chiming in, for your presence your participation, for your prayers. You all make what I do even more critical and even more necessary because I am not the only one processing a lot in my lifetime. And the book, I want to remind you of the book that my therapist suggested. I'm going to go get it. Healing the Shame That Binds You by John Bradshaw. I do see that Amazon has it. My homework is to get it before I see her in two weeks. And my therapist says she wants me to do a vision board. And she specifically called out some areas. Uh, she called out health, finances, family, support, and, our, and the future. What do I want to see in my future health, future financial status, future family status? support. So all of these things, I'm going to be doing a vision board. If you want to do a vision board together, maybe we can do that like at the library or something um, because my vision board is going to look a little different this year because of some current circumstances. But if you want to get together and do one together or do one virtually where we just come on live, and a few of us can be in the studio together doing our, our vision boards together and kind of talking some things through. Now, what I started doing a couple years ago, because I, I always go to Kayoshana's vision board party. I couldn't make it this year. This is the first year I missed in a minute. But what I started doing is not just putting the pictures on the board, but on the back, I would put words like timelines. Like I want to I want to achieve the goal of being a homeowner by March. And to do that, I'm going to boost my credit, do this, do that. Because when you just put stuff on a board, it's going to take action. Don't just make it pretty and it becomes a wall ornament. This vision board that we're going to do this time, we need to make it realistic and we need to put out a plan of action, actionable steps for us to complete these tasks. Make it real, make it workable, make it workable. I'm not putting a, um, a 747 on there this year. I ain't saying I don't want God to give me one if he is one to land one on me. But right now, it's some it's some other stuff. It's some other stuff. Erica says, please, y'all, pray before you make your vision boards. Vision boards are inherently witchcraft. We got to look at that. I had never heard that, but I'm definitely willing to, to look into that further. From my perspective, I just want to be able to look at my goals and objectives. And I do pray, though, before I make them. I always, I pray over them and I pray while I'm making them. Because I just want to put some things out there as goals. But thank you for, for mentioning that. I will have to, to look into that. Maybe you and I could talk. Let's talk about that, Erica. But thank you for joining me. And thank you for being so, yes, Simone, let's dig into that. Let's dig into that. For being so supportive of this. This is my healing 
this is how I fight my battles. I speak. I have these conversations. I get the weight off me. Speaking of weight, I'm down 10 pounds. Child, it wasn't by, by choice. It's because my teeth was acting like backsliders. I couldn't chew nothing. But it did cause 10 pounds to, to jump up off my skin. And for that, I am grateful. I love you too, Erica. And always will. I always will. Girl Chat, we are beginning our new our new book club will start in January. It's called Comparison Kills. I will put the information in the chat so you can get your book. Um, we've been comparing ourselves to others too long. And it's time for us to come out of that and doing self-defeating behaviors and sabotaging our own self. We are sitting on gold mines. I want you to have a great night. I will be back on Saturday for Saturday's Critical Conversations. I've been trying to do, I want to do a show about chronic pain. I want to get some physicians, some nurses, people in the medical um, industry to talk about chronic pain and the medications that we take and some alternatives, some healthy alternatives for pain relief. I am tired of popping pills. Some medications make me feel just worse. So I want us to, in this new season, find ways to combat chronic pain, but in a natural way where we can get out and move more, think more clearly and be more of who we are. All right. So I love you all. We got homework, Simone. Uh, I'll message you. Have a great evening. I will see you on Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Critical Conversations. Good night, all.